I'm more excited to be talking to you about task management. You are going to love it. We have to accept that tech is coming into the world and we have to prepare our, our pupils for the real world. This method is really a game-changing way of invigilating, to be honest. Welcome to the Surpass Community Podcast. Hello and welcome to a special Surpass Community Podcast. I'm your host for today, Ben Brady. This episode features a recording of a presentation given at the SPAS conference earlier this year, uh, October 2020. This episode today features a recording of the presentation given by Amanda Danis, the CEO and lead psychometrician at Danis & Company in the US. The full presentation is available at conference.surpass.com and we would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, so once you've listened to the podcast, please become a part of this SPAS community by joining us for future digital events and subscribing to the mailing list at surpass.com slash signup. Finally, we would like to thank all of our contributors for the conference. It has been an absolutely amazing conference. We've had some wonderful feedback this year. Uh, In the interest of transparency, presentations are created independently by our speakers, and as such, the views expressed by speakers do not necessarily reflect those of BTL Group Limited or the Surpass team. So just to clarify, um, this is the audio taken from the original presentation at the conference. We've put it into podcast format because we know that a lot of you find this more accessible and have more chance to listen at home. If you do have any questions or would like to see slides, then again, they can be seen at conference.topass.com. But I will now hand over to our speaker. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this very brief presentation about validity uh, within exam development. And of course, everything right now is focused on can we do things virtually and remotely, uh, obviously due to the current situation in the pandemic. My name is Amanda Danis. I'm the CEO and lead psychometrician of Danis & Company, and thanks for joining me. So first, a quick note about our firm. We are based in Virginia on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, Prior to COVID, of course, we traveled the world. Helping, helping all sorts of organizations with all of their psychometric needs. Uh, we do some accreditation consulting as well. I'm a lead assessor for the American National Standards Institute for ISO 17024. So we like to do some gap analyses, let organizations know what they need to do to get in place to get accredited. Uh, we also have some experience with regulatory agencies in the UK. So we like to be able to help groups kind of get their tests in order, make sure everything looks good, their programs look good so that they can get accredited. We also are a partner of Surpass. Uh, We provide psychometric services to the Surpass community. So everything from exam development, which we're gonna talk about now, um, to even operational maintenance of tests, making sure that everything is running smoothly and giving advice on such things as item replacement or when a new JTA might be due for your certification program. Um, One of the things that we love the most about partnering with Surpass, of course, is being able to use the item writing tool, as well as the standard setting platform. So we also do a little bit of a one-off here and there, where we might just kind of help a group facilitate that process and using those tasks in Surpass to make it efficient and really great for your SMEs to be part of that project. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about a four-branch validity model, uh, one that really applies to certification exams. Um, You know, I used to teach graduate, um, here's a cat, 
I used to teach graduate statistics. And one of the things that the older validity models didn't do was sort of take into account the uniqueness about certification in that they're really kind of trying to decide that level of minimal competence. So uh, we developed this four branch validity model last year and we're actually writing a book on it. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. But those four branches are competency, composition, decision, and then operational validity. And very uh, easily, they line up with the development step for your exam. So competency validity is linked to your job task analysis, might also be called role delineation study or practice analysis. All of them are fine terms to use. Composition validity has to do with creating that test content and doing your item writing. Decision validity, of course, is very important, and it's the standard setting where you decide on that cut score that decides the minimal competence of your candidates. And then, of course, I talked about this before already, operational validity, which is doing that kind of test maintenance, those data audits, sometimes they're called health checks, on your test data to make sure that things are holding steady and they are behaving like they should for your candidates. So briefly, um, and if, you know, some of the audience might say that this is very simple and they know all of this stuff already, I'm just going to give a high level broad view of how these things wrap up into the validity model. And then, of course, considerations about whether to do things remotely or in person. So the goal of the JTA is to develop and validate, always have to validate it, that list of, you know, some people call them KSAs or knowledge and tasks, but those things that make up a successful candidate for the job role. And usually this process involves gathering a bunch of SMEs. You want to do that very carefully with good industry representation, identifying exactly what it means to be competent in that job role. Then you need to conduct the validation survey. This is key. Some groups don't do this, and you have to get that feedback from other incumbents in the industry to make sure that your job content outline and the things that you have identified are not biased towards your small group of experts. You want to make sure that it gets validated by the rest of the industry as best you can. Then, of course, the deliverable that comes out of that survey analysis is the test blueprint. How many questions about topic X should be on the test versus how many questions about topic Y should be on the test? It should not be equally distributed because you don't want the candidate to leave the testing ses session and say, that wasn't really like my job. There were too many questions about marketing. I don't, I only do that like 5%. So you want the alignment of questions, the proportion to line up with the job. So that's essential. So this is essentially competency validity and following these steps well, will ensure that you have that exact branch of validity covered. Now, in-person or remote. Ideally, especially for a brand new program, I like to do JTA workshops in person. However, we all know that right now that's just not really possible or very safe. So uh, we have been conducting our JTAs remotely and it's actually gone very, very well. We can do them either all at the same time where we have people block off a few hours here, a few hours there throughout one week. Sometimes that's hard to do with your SMEs depending, you know, most of them are volunteering their time depending on what they have for availability. Um, we could also do it completely at different times where we have one kickoff meeting, we train them on what to do, they go off, they do their homework, they come back, we meet again, they go off, and there's sort of this iterative process to work it all out. Um, we've used various platforms in the past, everything from Google Docs to Excel Sheets to, um, you know, the greatest one that we've discovered so far is actually to use Surpass, and Surpass doesn't have a specific JTA tool 
yet, um, but you can use Surpass in some sort of unique ways to try to get that information, that feedback from your SMEs in a really efficient way. So we've used the Surpass platform a couple of times and that's been great. Um, of course, we can always still do the validation survey of incumbents. That's always kind of been a remote or virtual process unless you're doing it, collecting it at a conference. Um, and the, the thing about doing the JTA process remotely is that it's a little bit of a longer timeline. You don't have that captive audience for two or three days to really hammer out the details. You do a little bit of chasing of your sneeze sometimes. Like, hey, don't forget, there's this deadline. So it's a little bit of a longer timeline, but it's absolutely doable. So the next branch of this validity model is composition validity. And this can be anything from creating multiple choice questions to designing innovative items, which is my favorite thing to do, um, or you know, constructed response items, which are like essays, or maybe you're designing a portfolio rubric. There's so many different ways to assess this knowledge. Um, and the test creation process is actually usually the most enjoyable for the SMEs because they actually feel like they're really getting into the meat and potatoes of it. So again, you're gathering SMEs, they might be some of the same, they might be completely different than what you used for your JTA. Drafting all of that content, you have to map it to that blueprint we talked about before. And then of course, if you can, you want to do your beta testing if it's possible. Um, and before you get to beta testing, you wanna do several reviews of your items. That's really important. So it's a little bit of air traffic control. And obviously the best thing to use for that is Surpass. It's one of the reasons that we partnered with Surpass uh, is the item writing tool that they have. We have used it extensively and it is amazing to be able to just assign a task with a small group of items. You're controlling what that SME sees. It's very direct. You can monitor their progress without having to reach out to them specifically. Um, it has just been a lifesaver to be able to do the item writing process using Surpass. So again, you can do this all at the same time in a, in a synchronous workshop or you can give out assignments, give out those tasks, give out some training. You obviously wanna have an item writing guide, do's and don'ts, some good examples, some bad examples. Wanna be able to check in with them pretty often on that. Um, and then of course you wanna match your process to the SMEs. Are they volunteers? Do they have a lot of time? Can they travel when we get back to being able to do things in person? Um, you can review and validate it all in that Surpass platform. There are other platforms to use. Uh, we've used in the past, Surpass is actually our favorite as it's one, again, one reason why we partnered with them. And just the same as the JTA process, it's just a little bit longer than having that captive audience for three days to have them just churn out that content and then be able to swap items and review everything. So you, you do still a little bit of chasing, reminders of the deadlines, checking in, making sure everybody's doing well. Again, from the back end of Surpass, you can just watch that yourself and you don't have to bug them with a ton of emails. So that's just awesome for the SMEs. Third branch, decision validity. Uh, I can't express how important this piece is and how many times I've seen groups that just kind of decide our cut score is going to be 70. They don't, you know, that they don't line it up with the test content. They don't line it up with minimal competence. Um, and that is really, really important to the validity of your certification program because you're using that cut score to decide whether somebody is certified or not. So standard setting or setting the cut score uh, determines what that point is going to be, that passing point, that judgment point, really. So again, more SMEs are coming on board. You're training them. This is really important. They have to have a great idea, very clear and very detailed with examples of what that minimal competence means. What is that minimally competent uh, candidate? You know, what is that decision point that you want to say, yes, they're certified or no, they're not. 
So you do want to also pay, pay really close attention to radar variation. Um, this can be intra or inter radar reliability, and your psychometric consultant can help you with that, or if you have psychometrists on staff. Um, and that really looks at kind of a final check on your items as well. If you have one item where half of your SMEs are rating it at 20%, or they think only 20% of the people are going to get it correct, or they rate it at 95, the other half, you've got some decisions to make there. I think that usually we bring people back to the table and do a review of those questions that are a little bit off. Then we take that final data and calculate the cut score. This is basically the ANGOF method. There are lots of other methods out there, but I would say that ANGOF is by far the most commonly used in the certification and licensure arena. So that's the one that we've talked about today with them rating the difficulty of those questions. So again, standard setting in person or remote. Um, again, usually it's a two to three day workshop, depending on how many items you have. It might be a little bit shorter if everybody's in you know, great agreement right away. Shorter timeline again for in-person does require travel for your SMEs usually. Um, but remote wasn't really an option before because you had to really worry about test security because you're exposing your entire item bank. However, uh, Surpass now has a standard setting tool. Uh, we just did a webinar on it. Um, there's going to be some new publications out about it. So make sure you check that out so that your SMEs can do it virtually and you can still have control over your content, whether you want to try to use a lockdown browser or even have the sessions proctored. Um, so there's lots of options there. And I just, I don't want uh, any programs to think that they have to really delay the launch of the, their certification program because they can't do standard setting right now. You can. Uh, you can get around that, and we've been thinking outside of the box to be able to make it happen, and we've actually done one standard setting exercise uh, just in the past like uh, four to five weeks, and it was hugely successful, and I feel really confident in the security level of the content, so that was great. The last branch, and then I'm almost done, um, is your data audits. So once you launch your test, you can't just sit back and relax and just kind of let it go. You've got to be doing some continuous monitoring of your results. You want to be looking at test level analyses, such as passing rates, mean differences across different subgroups or even subsectors of the industry. Of course, you want to look at reliability coefficients. Um, I really like looking at item level analyses, which is looking at drift, difficulty, discrimination, making sure they're all behaving like they should. And if you can catch something early that you need to replace that item, hopefully you've got some extra in your bank that you can pull from. Of course, you can also do your more complex analyses like differential item functioning, um, which was actually my research area in school. So I really enjoy looking at that. Um, and then parameter drift as well as response time effort. So they're just things that you just need to check on periodically with your test so that in case a candidate has an appeal or a complaint, um, or any issues come up, you'll be able to say, well, we've been monitoring the data. You don't want to say, oh, we haven't pulled that data for two years. We have no idea what it looks like. So be careful about that. So as you can see, uh, really all four of these development steps can be done either in person or virtually. Uh, and I really think that one of the fallouts from the pandemic is that even when things go back to quote unquote normal, if we ever get there, um, I think that a lot of people are going to end up doing some of this stuff virtually anyways, because we're really discovering the tools and creating the processes that allow us to do it just as well as we would in person. Uh, so I would encourage you to explore those options now and not let any of them hold you back from launching your program or launching your exam. So 
that's it for me today. I believe we're going to be launching into a Q&A session here in a few minutes. Uh, here's how you can reach me. And if you want to read more about the validity model, uh, you can head over to our website and download a free uh, excerpt from it. Uh, the whole thing should be done in probably November, I'm hoping. I'm going to set myself up with a deadline there. But it's a very high level uh, validity handbook, and it covers in more detail than what I've talked about here, but it doesn't really get complex or technical. It is more so of here are the main steps. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you handle your sneeze. Here are the things to watch for. So I hope you take a look at that and enjoy it. And then you can check out the book when it finally is out. Thank you very much for joining me today. And I look forward to your questions. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. To keep up to date with the latest information from our Surpass community, visit Surpass.com. We'll be back with another podcast soon. Thank you for listening.